0: Good morning, everyone. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Galatians, chapter 5. And Glenn has just prayed for it, so I won't do that again. (laughs) Uh, So starting at verse uh, verse number 1, and we'll read the first 17 verses. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are served from from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Sorry, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to be to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, But through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Here ends the reading. Thanks, Luke. Uh,
1: If you've been around the last couple of weeks, we are beginning a a series through, or we are in a series um, through October, um, looking at uh, the solars, five solars that have, uh, the five sort of alones or truths that have come out of the Reformation and um, as we look forward to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation this year. On the 31st of October was the, uh, is the date of the anniversary when Martin Luther uh, nailed his thesis to the uh, wall, uh, doors of Wittenberg Cathedral. Marking sort of became a catalyst of the the change of um, and the mark of the separation of the Protestant Church from the Roman Catholic Church. And so um, we have been looking a bit at this over the last uh, few weeks and we're going to continue to do that uh, today. Um, We're looking uh, at Christ alone today and um, we're going to think about what that means for us a little bit of sort of the history of what was happening at the time because it does sort of give us a bit of a flavour for um, why this came about. Um, That in this point of history, the church had developed uh, power and influence over um, pretty well all of society Uh, and that church had become uh, corrupt over time and the truth, had been, the truth of God's Word had been, started to be distorted. And during this time of the Reformation, uh, a number of people were getting back into the Bible. Uh, as Joel sort of reminded us last week, uh, Wycliffe was part of that, of um, translating the Bible into everyday language so that people could read it. And what they started reading in the Bible didn't make sense in, uh, with the church that they were experiencing around them. Uh, and so over a, a period of time, People stood up and started to question what the the church was doing at that time. So the Roman Catholic at that ch- church at that time, sort of, there was sort of the ultimate authority of the Pope and the church, uh, and that it had authority um, to make rulings. It it, it became uh, very rich and it became abusive and oppressive over pretty well sort of the common people of uh, of the time. Uh, I, you know, I, I think we've got to hear this. That, you know, in those days it was um, a heresy. So, rebe- utter rebellion again. To read the Bible in your own language it was only allowed to be written in Latin, uh, read in Latin, and heard in Latin. Even preaching at the time. And so, half the people would come to church, but wouldn't understand anything because half the church didn't know Latin or read or understand Latin. Uh, and basically, um, the way that you were saved, the way you became, the way that you achieved salvation was basically doing a whole lot of stuff that the church now was controlling. So basically, you could come to the point of uh, buying your salvation. Uh, I know you might have heard the, the word uh, indulgences back from those, those days. So that what you could do is you could pay money to the church Um, and that would give you a certain amount of forgiveness of sins or um, you could pay money to get your people uh, some of your family members who might have died out of purgatory um, or you had to do certain things or you would have to bring your confession to the priest and only the priest could forgive you and if the priest didn't forgive you then you weren't forgiven of your sins Uh, people so this is not only just sort of it got to the point, I just read this morning in one of the um, the things that they were talking about. So people died for this. Um, Joel mentioned a few of them last week that uh, there was a group of um, Anabaptists that were taken. Fifty of them uh, were burnt at the stake. And so this is not just light-hearted sort of stuff. This was pretty uh, severe persecution that was coming from the church as people began to... Uh, open up the scriptures and challenge the church. So it was in a pretty dire, dark place. And then God raised up um, numbers of people, lots of people over a period of hundreds of years uh, for the Reformation um, to come and say, hold on, what does uh, the word of God say to us? How have we drifted uh, so far from it? Uh, if you've Joel mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it again. We've been putting stuff in the church letter that desiring God... Dot com. Um, it, they've got a thing called Here We Stand, um, which is uh, just giving a little bit of a um, story of one of the people from the Reformation. Each day you can get it, um, subscribe to it, and get it emailed. It's just a great insight to what some of our sort of forefathers went through uh, for enable us to experience what we're experiencing today. The Bible in our own language on our phones, uh, the freedom uh, to question and challenge. Uh, the church, and uh, the authority of its leaders even, uh, even though we're still called to respect and honour them um, but you you're not going to die if you say that what I'm saying is not right or you have questions I'm not gonna, we're not gonna, leadership's not going to take you out and burn you at the stake because you challenge us. You just got to realise that that's some of the freedoms that were fought for back then and we get to be the recipients of that sort of legacy. Um. So, uh, this week um, I was thinking about this, and um, as we were talking about um, in the office, that sort of the the Christ alone, we sort of talked about is Christ is enough for this. We talked about you can't have five alones because then they're not all alone, but um, that the Bible is enough, Jesus is enough, uh, grace is enough. Um, It's fully contained and revealed in in each of these aspects uh, of the soul. Um, and now that we can um, read it ourselves and engage it with ourselves. But as I was thinking about this, if we go to the next slide, what the Roman Catholic Church did over the years was to add all these extras, add all these extra behaviours, things that needed to be done in order for us or for people to be saved. So it was no longer that Jesus' sacrifice and the sins was enough. It was no longer enough. Yeah, they acknowledge Jesus died and he died for sins, but you've got to do extra stuff. Jesus was not on, no longer um, the only way to the Father. You could actually now go through the Pope or through the saints or through the church or through Mary. There are other ways now to, to the Father. They started to introduce um, the idea that some of these people, like the Pope and Mary and some, were actually divine beings as well um, on equal authority to Christ himself. And so these extras were added in. Yeah, you're, you're really going to be able to read that, aren't you? Um, that's good. I just, I, there was just a quote here, and I'll, I'll just read it off. Um, salvation in the Roman Catholic Church was a process of many steps. Actual grace, then faith, good works, baptism, participation in the sacraments, penance, indulgences, keeping the commandments. Basically, salvation is attained through baptism and good works. It's maintained by doing good works and a participation in the sacraments. If it is lost, it can be regained through the sacrament of penance, uh, which only a Roman Catholic priest can administer. Add to this purgatory cleansing after the person dies, and you can see that salvation is an arduous process. I won't go into the rest there, but it sort of highlights that. And you can see that uh, Christ was no longer enough Uh, There's all this other stuff that you have to do. And uh, in particular at the time, the church was in control of that. Um, And that if you didn't do baptism, if you didn't do baptism, if you didn't do confirmation, if you didn't do the holy orders, if you didn't do these things, then you weren't saved. So what does that lead to? Can you imagine what that would lead to? what Imagine if you were living faith under that. It's just hugely oppressive. It's an oppressive religion. Uh and that's what actually a lot of people ended up rebelling against. This why is it so oppressive and um, um but what I've been thinking about this week as I've been um wrestling with, with that and thinking about how religion works that religion works on this principle of merit that you have to do things in order to make your god happy and it's basically i think i've used this lots of times is that religion uh, that christ and his sacrifice grace Uh, And what he did is the one thing that differentiates Christianity between all other religions. So all other religions, I'd say all other worldviews, are based on you work to get reward. That works in humanist society as well as any other religion. You work to keep your God happy. And the more you do, the more your God's happier. The more you do, the more God's bless you. Um, Whereas Christianity sort of comes the other way. It's that God, Christ did it for us. He took it so that we are right with God and now our lives become one of thanks and worship uh, and obedience out of that because he did it all for us. And so I've been asking myself this week is um, as we think about this, I don't want this just to be a history lesson How does it affect us? And I've been asking myself this week, are there any of these practices, of which I'm sort of just holding up the the Roman Catholic Church for at the time, are there any of these practices that I slip back into? Are there any of these practices that we slip back into? Are there any ways that I've actually made Christianity... um, not rel- my faith, not rely on Christ alone. That my salvation is not through grace, through faith in what Jesus did anymore, but it's come about something more. And as I examine my life, and I ask you to do the same, I'm thinking, yeah, actually, I do this. I do this. I think this is human nature. I think it's the sin in us that says, yeah, I know that Jesus died for me. But I want to do good things because they'll just earn a little bit more credit with God. God takes a bit more notice when I do good things. Maybe um, that, yeah, I know that I'm saved, but in order to become more like Christ, in order, I've got to work harder, I've got to do more, that maybe I believe that god's love is dependent on how good or bad i am that god's love and how i am right with god depends on whether i read the bible whether i pray a lot whether i help people whether i s- serve him whether i work in the ch- whether i come to church whether i w- And I start to realize that in my human nature that I actually do this. I actually start to try and clock up credit with God. And I try and uh, earn my way to God and that Jesus isn't enough for me. And that I need to keep preaching the gospel to myself that says Christ did it all. He has made me right with God and God cannot be any happier with me he can be no more pleased with me he is no long he is he's no more delighting in me he is not delighting in me because of what i do or don't do he delights in me he loves in me because of what jesus did and that jesus gave it as a gift to us so that now i am right with god and i can celebrate who I am in Christ. I recognize that in myself, that I'm inherently sort of selfish. And so often I start to go down this path of, what's the bare minimum I can do to keep my, my faith going? <laughs> and you really you see what I'm doing there? I'm actually writing a little bit of a list in my head or my heart. And say so if I do these things, I'm all okay. I'm traveling along. And I just realized yeah, in my own heart that that's... And I started to think about, also, I thought about, how do, how do I come to the Father? How do I connect with the Father? And sometimes I found myself that I was actually probably trying to connect with God through a worship experience, or through an interaction with the Holy Spirit, or through a time of silence or solitude. I thought, actually, no, those things don't bring me to God. Those things are places for me to focus on Jesus. And it's just, just easy, just in your head, it's, you've got to do a bit of examination on this because these, these things that I'm talking about are good things to do. But you've just got to do a bit of heart examination. I ask you to do it this week. Have those things actually become ways that you think God is pleased with you. Because then we're sort of slipping away from Christ alone. Christ is enough. So it's Christ plus I've got to do all these other things. And so what this, this drives us to do, what drives our hearts to do, if Christ has done what he said he's done, that he's done it all, he took every sin so that, remember the verse, there is no condemnation for you, so that you are now children of the living God. You can come into his presence. You can have ear of the, far, of the creator of the universe. He, he can hear you. He can answer you. He can change things because of the relationship. If that's all happened because Christ alone died on the cross, because Christ alone has made us right with God. Then I can begin to live a response to God. Or how do we how do we look for God? I thought about how do I look for God? There's something about Jesus that defines God. Um, and I was thinking to myself, I love creation and I love experiencing his world and going out. And and I can sit there and I can try and find God in creation, and that's great, and that's nice. But it, creation in and of itself never points me to Jesus. So i just got to remember that it's creation plus driving me to Jesus. Or it's that place where I can uh, reflect on, on God and who he is and the creator, but I've also then got to reflect on what he did to redeem and restore that broken creation and re- de- did to redeem and restore me so that I can enjoy that creation. Or well, for us who have been in the church... So I started to ask myself, do I abuse my power? Do I actually try and manipulate people? Do I try and just twist the truth a bit to get people to do what I want them to do? Do I shame people? Do I oppress people in that? T- and I actually, as I examined my heart, I thought, yeah, actually I, can, I can do that. I can do it from here. And it just made me again. This this is not something for 500 years. It's examine my heart. Do I actually manipulate people? Or do I use, do I think I'm better as a Christian? Because look what I do. Look how I live. And I actually begin to overlord myself over others. And that I use the power that I have for myself or for the church more is Is my name and my fame more important than christ's you've got to ask this is you're just going to say yeah, of course, but just you've got to do the heart examination here and I, I, for me it came real is, is you know is church is one hope's fame or name greater than Jesus <laughs> name no. and am I Living my life and living my faith that Christ is enough. Christ alone is, and I keep pointing people there. I keep pointing myself there uh, as well. And so I came uh, to 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 three points where we go. Yeah, three: that Christ alone, Christ is enough for salvation, and I started to talk a bit about that already. Uh, that Christ alone is the way to the Father, and that Christ alone is God in human form. Which sort of answers some of those those. Um, the Reformation questions um, as well. So, just a little bit of exploration of each of these. The Galatians five passage, where uh, which Luke read for us. Did you notice how it started? It says Christ has come to set us free from the yoke of slavery, and it's the slavery of the law. Because what I was telling you about before, what I was talking to you about all these good things that we were. If, if we think that doing the good thing, it's about if I keep the law, then I get more credit with God or that God's more happy with me. And Jesus is saying, that is oppressive religion. That's oppressive. You, you will kill yourself if you try and do that. It will become oppressive and overbearing. But he said, Christ died for you so that you can have freedom. So Christians <laughs> have freedom to live their life for him we have um and instill joy to live in obedience to him we strive all we can to do what we c- for him because of who we are because of what christ has done and he he noticed if you remember that passage he said if you add circumcision to this because in the in the back in the days in paul's days it was yeah christ has come but you still got to do these jewish practices And people were saying, no, unless you do these things because, you you know, then we know you're Jewish and you're doing it the right way. And Paul said, no, no, it's Christ alone. If you start doing that, then you've got to do the whole law. And the only way that you're going to be right with God is you do the whole law. And that's just going to lead to oppressive religion. And God said, I've so loved you to bring you freedom. I did it for you because I knew that you couldn't do it yourself. So Jesus came as a human, and this is the first part of his job here on earth, Jesus had two jobs here on earth, or maybe there's a few more. But one, of the, the first job was to fulfill the law. And so he actually perfectly obeyed all the law. And that, made, that, that was righteous, that was right with God. And so in that, in, in that perfect obedience, he then says, now I give that to you. So when God looks at you through Jesus, you are perfectly right with him. It's like you have fulfilled the law because Jesus did it for you. And so now we can live in the freedom of that, that I seek to, uh, as he goes on from here, I seek to align my life to a life of the Spirit in obedience to the way he's shown me to live. And so uh, life through through the Spirit, by faith in Jesus. And so then he says, and then he presses in, he says, now I want you to use that freedom. Use that freedom to strive, to work, to move, I use the word work there intentionally because we still got work. But It's a very different understanding of the word work. Work is not uh, earning stuff. Work is a response. You can almost call it worship. It's a response because of, of who, we, who we are in Christ now. And it changes uh, the way we think, the speak and act. Remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus. This is the second part of Jesus' role. When he went to the cross, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus went to the cross, uh, suffered the wrath of God. The punishment for sin was on Jesus. And then Jesus took that upon himself for the world, for us. So... All the sins, all the rebellion, all the brokenness that we have was put on Jesus so that we now are free to obey. We're not loaded now with obligation. We're gifted with freedom and joy and comfort to live out the truth of this gospel. I asked myself, why are Christians then so miserable? (laughs) Why am I so often unhappy or unsatisfied as a Christian? And I think that's that's our human nature and uh, evil and Satan that gets us to take our eyes off Christ, put it back on ourselves or the world. And I think this morning then, the other thing that I find is that, that God uses us, he says, I want you then to put your your eyes back on Christ like Paul, fix your eyes on Christ and run and strive for him. and the, And the way that, Probably I've experienced that the most is through you guys. It's through the church. It's through when I get together with my brothers and sisters and we remind each each selves of the gospel. And so I was thinking in my grow group, Rob and Rickart and a few of us, we get together on Friday nights and we um, talk a bit about our lives. And we start to, and, and, and usually it starts off with, oh, Life sucks. Hard, this is happening. It's this is mess, you know, I'm having this with my marriage or this with my work colleague or this, and I don't know, just it's not. And then we start to speak <laughs> to each other the gospel. We start to remind, remember who Jesus was, remember what he did, he died for that sort of stuff. Remember, he's not take you know and if we're confessing sins which often happens in that place he said we we remind each other that's that's been taken care of remember that Christ has come to redeem those broken situations remember now that because Christ did what he did you now have the Holy Spirit that can help you through and we actually begin to remind ourselves of the gospel of what Jesus did and uh, who we now are because of that and we leave that place very different than when we arrived because we're, we're back on Christ alone and it's him that transforms everything. And so we've got to keep doing that with ourselves in our grow groups, in our life groups, in our ministries, in our families. Keep uh, uh, proclaiming Christ and his gospel. In a Holy Spirit that would help us to do that. In uh, the way to the Father. Remember that Jesus, uh, when he's talking to his disciples at the end of his life, he said, remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, So this is a beautiful freedom too. The way we get to be in interaction with the living Father is that we can speak directly to him. And we can do that anywhere. One of the favorite places I do it is in the shower. Uh, we can do it while we're driving the car. We can do it that we actually have access to the Creator God through Jesus any time and space and place. We don't have to go and find a priest. We don't have to go and find a minister or a church. or whatever. We can actually go straight to him. There are no mediators other than Jesus uh, to, as, as a way to the Father. And that sort of makes sense. And I thought, do I do that? Do I look for other mediators? And I thought, do I find other gurus that I know, friends or leaders, that I seek their advice more than God's advice? I think, yeah, I have a tendency to do that. Has Tim Keller become a mediator for me? <laughs> Sometimes I do that. I go okay, to some people... No, but what is, am I going to God again? Is my faith something that's personal with God or is it not, is it not just lived out of my family? Oh, because my family is a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, is it, is, I can go to him direct. I don't have to go through my parents. I don't have to go through friends. I can go to him direct. Um, and remember that Jesus is the one who is interacting. Oh, sorry, interceding for us. He continues uh, that walk. As we talk to him, he talks to his father. He's in his father's ear for us. Um, his brothers and sisters, he calls us, as he interacts with his fathers. And remember, um, too, again, mediation. I, I think sometimes, this is where I was going before, sometimes I can do a worship experience. I get this great feeling I'm so much closer to God and it's that worship thing. Uh, that, that's not what brings me closer to God. <laughs> Jesus brings me closer to God. I get to experience that when we're all celebrating that together. And just just make sure that you don't become dependent on that because I've got to come to church to get my fix because then I'm closer with God. Oh, hold on. And we're starting to add mediators in. Yeah, It's a good thing to come and worship, but it's reminding us of the truth of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Uh, remember, as we have interaction, I was thinking about: Do I do I come to God through the Holy Spirit more than Jesus? <laughs> it was a bit of a question I had to ask myself that, because remember the role of the the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, and I think I've exper- the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus, and I think the Holy Spirit helps us to see Jesus and to. And so I ask the Holy Spirit, oh, Jesus, help me to see Jesus. I interact with the, Je- uh, the Holy Spirit as a person. We have that interaction. but I'm, He's always leading me towards Jesus uh, in that. Um, the way to the Father. I just thought about this too. We were, this morning we were praying for Cavell. We are praying for people that come to Cavell and the interactions we have with them there. And I thought to myself, are the people in Cavell, are they coming to Jesus or are they just coming to Cavell or are they just coming to One Hope? So I think that if I get them there and they're attending there and they're interacting with Christians, that that's going to save them. And I, just, and I thought, no, somehow I, I do that because I love Jesus and we serve them and Jesus calls us to love everyone but ultimately they need to hear about jesus they need to experience jesus they need to know that jesus is who he said he was and we want people to understand their rightness with god uh, through jesus uh, and just re- be reminded um, again that jesus um, is god revealed in human form remember hebrews chapter one in the past god spoke to our ans- through our ancestors Through the prophets, sorry, through the prophets, at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir over all things, and through him he has also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful world. That we look to Jesus, we want to know that if we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus, who lived um, in bodily form. Um, amongst us so we can look to him as a divine uh, example he is the only god in flesh and again so he's not like the pope who became divine or mary who became divine Uh, jesus is the only god in flesh so we can look to him to understand who god is and uh, what he's like what it looks like um, for god to be here on earth as well Sometimes, and, and this is where it gets, this is, I, today's sermons, a really, so you've got to really think about this today. You've got to do really some heart examination. I t- ask that you take it away. Because I, I started to think about, do I like people to focus on me rather than Jesus? And, so that, and that I think that I become the power and the influence to change people. And if Glenn does this, and if Glenn does that, and Glenn does this, and Glenn's really nice to that person and tells them that and does this, that he begins to be the saviour and the people actually begin to look at me. I think, yeah, actually, that's the danger that I slip into when, I take my, uh, when, when my theology starts to slip away from Christ alone. Then it's Christ plus what Glenn does or what the church does or what you do. No, how am I continuing to live out the gospel and keep pointing people to Jesus and what he's done? And for me, particularly in the last couple of years, this has been a real conviction. I'm learning more and more, how do I talk about Jesus in my everyday conversation? Because when I, and what I'm finding that when I do that and when I'm wrestling with how do I speak about Jesus more, that I start to fade to the background. It's, it's much more uncomfortable Um, and it's a bit bit more confronting, but I'm trying to do it more and more because it's the gospel of Jesus that counts, not the gospel of Glenn. And so I keep trying to point point them, and, and it's a practice. I think I've thrown out here this idea of being gospel fluent, that in everyday conversation that we can proclaim the truths of the gospel, of who Jesus is, what he's done, and how that displays God's love for the world. So as we go out this week, can I ask you to go before God um, and ask him to work in your heart to expose anywhere that you're not reliant on Christ alone, where things have started to creep in that it's uh, extras or you've, tried, you've, begin, you've begun to make Christianity a religion that you would ask him and ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal afresh who Jesus is and who you are because of him. And that you would see Jesus as the one who fulfilled the law, took on God's wrath, and now has empowered you to live for him. That by his Spirit, we may live in his truth and we may live empowered to be like him not him but like him as people look at us and through us look to Jesus and so it's my prayer that we as a church so that's a collection of individuals but also as a group will display Jesus to the world and the people will know that Christ has come so let's pray Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you so loved us that you sent your Son to this earth to live amongst us. To and Lord, Lord Jesus, uh, uh, two things. Father, that you would send your Son to, to go through that, the creator of the universe, to become a baby, born in a stable, to live um, as a poor Palestinian uh, Jew. And that you, Lord Jesus, loved us so much that you were willing to do that that you were perfectly obedient, your Father, to do that and that you did that uh, perfectly and that you fulfilled the law, you perfectly obeyed it and and that you, Jesus, that you loved us so much now to give that to, to us as a gift. That you, Lord Jesus, not only did that but you were willing to take upon yourself God's wrath and God's punishment for us. That our sins were put upon you and that you suffered hell on the cross for us so that we may be free we thank you lord jesus that you loved us enough to demonstrate that you are god by rising from the dead and more than that ascending to heaven and that you have promised that you will return again one day so that we will live with you forever help us lord jesus to keep our eyes fixed on you we thank you that you sent your spirit to come on us and Lord, we reminded that it's so often called the Spirit of Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you that you remind us of who Christ is, what he has done, and our new identity in him. So Lord, this week, as we go out as your church, help us to live in freedom and joy and in the truth of who we are in Christ. May our lives display you in this world. May it be Christ alone who receives glory and honour this week. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand